So we've defined what depression is, and uh, as we have gone through that, we've got deeper and deeper and deeper into it. So now we're going to jump into the characteristics of depression. And uh, as we get into the characteristics of depression, we're going to look at three different things. The commonality of it, uh, the things that cause it, the, the negative point of view that um, those who are depressed might have, and maybe the reason why it happens, and also the dialogue of the depressed. Uh, because we have been falling short at the end of each class, the dialogue of the depressed, we might not get through all those slides. Um, so I made copies of them for you because I think they're, they're good for you to see and know. So if we don't get to those in this class, uh, it would be good for you to still go over those and just read them and look at the dialogue of what someone might say if they're suffering from depression and what the Lord says, what the light says about um, you, your situation, whatever it might be. So, uh, our goal in this is to maybe better understand uh, depression, the characteristics of it, why people might be suffering from it, and or why we might be experiencing it. Okay? Before we jump into that, there was some pre-work that was on the internet and, and was handed out. Uh, and if you were able to print it off, did anyone have any aha moments or anything specifically that they uh, wanted to bring to the attention of the class? Uh, might have been with how they might have uh, related to a character in the Bible that suffered from depression and or maybe the idea of putting yourself on your own prayer list. Anybody? Anybody? Do you put yourself on your own prayer list? Oh, sorry, go ahead. You raise your hand. No, I was going to say, often just, just David. David? Just, just constantly feeling like from a, a young man, just even just always, and, and I didn't think of it until I was in my mid-twenties and a, a brother in Christ came to me and he said, whatever you do, quit, don't, don't ever quit being David in your life. Right. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, man, he goes, he goes, you got the greatest heart, but he goes, man, you're like David, you stumbled. <laughs> and he goes, but he goes, somehow when it's brought to your attention or you figure it out, you do everything you can to fix it. And, and many times in those times, I, I got what he meant. And then I see where David felt in those moments of darkness, but relied on God to bring him through it. Absolutely, and that's the, the focus of all this. We try to bring it to light after each heavy subject. Where is our hope at? Where's our hope? It's in God. It's in heaven. And it's not just in heaven when we're there. It's in, in God and in heaven while we're here too, right? There is light in this world when we're in our darkest moments. All right? Anybody else has? Um, Esther's one of my favorites, but I went back and I was... Oh, class um, is starting. Yeah. Um, thinking about Esther and Mordecai and how they handled got some pretty significantly bad news, like a lot of us have. And I I appreciate I kind of went back and read that and how they took their few days to mourn and fast, and then they got a plan, and then they were agents for change. I, they kind of went the full circle with it, and I think um, that's just kind of a good plan for us. It's, it's okay to be down about something. But then we need to get a plan, look to God, and be an agent for change. <coughs> and what you just described, you know I'm going to bring the heart back. The heart. We love the heart, right? So for those of you who weren't in the class, class before, stress and depression is when your heart is heavy. And something pushes down on your heart, right? But we go to God, we go to Him in prayer, we figure out how to get out of that sadness or that depression or get out from underneath that stress. Our heart is designed to rebound, right? Just like this punch. 
So that's exactly what they did. You explained that in, in a specific example. So we need to learn from that example. I agree. In both those examples. All right. Let's jump into it. Thank you for sharing. So we're going to jump into first the uh, first characteristic, which is commonality. So we're going to have class participation again. Name a couple of the top causes of depression or things that make you uh, higher uh, a higher risk of depression. What do you think they are? Stress. What's that? Stressors in your life. Okay. What else? Loneliness. Loneliness. Absolutely. Hereditary. Hereditary. Absolutely. Self-criticism. Self-criticism. Yeah. Sometimes we're our own worst critic, right? All right. So. Disappointment of some sort. Disappointment. Sure. Absolutely. Things weigh heavy on you when things don't go the way that you thought that they were going to go. Um, kind of hits you like a, uh, a Mack truck sometimes. Tragedy. Tragedy in your life. Absolutely. The first time I felt depression was as we were going into the Gulf War, getting ready for that. Because I thought, they always say the Army always learns from the last war, or it's still applying. It has to learn again something. And we had fought in a war in the jungle which required short-barreled weapons. And now they were going to fight in a desert where they were going to require long-range and how long would it take them to learn that? And how many people would pay while they learned that? And we have people in this room that were in that war. I mean, a traumatic situation like that is absolutely... There's so many things that come from war that are, are traumatic. Absolutely. I wasn't going to be involved in it, but what I felt about the cost that was coming up. And I hadn't realized what depression was until I felt it then. Absolutely. And everybody has it in their own way, right? So, as all good researchers do, I went to the internet, right? All right. So, sorry about that. I need to shut off my Wi-Fi. There you go. Okay. Boom. So, let's get into it. So, I went to WebMD. Hopefully, it's a little bit more reliable than Wikipedia. But uh, the top eight causes uh, are as follows. And this is not in any specific order. And many of you have named some of these things in your own way. And we're actually going to get into some personal things that impact us here in just a moment. But uh, the first one is biological. Study shows that certain parts of the brain sometimes just don't function right. That, that's, you know, we're, we're human. There's things that go wrong. There might be chemical things that impact us, but sometimes it's just biological. Now, is that hereditary? Uh, we're going to get into that because the next one is genetics. So genetics a lot of times impacts it. And uh, if you have family members that are actually uh, uh, suffering from depression, you have a higher propensity to suffer from it as well uh, if, you're, you know, if you're having events in your life too. So genetics have a direct impact on you sometimes as well. Not, these aren't in all cases, but it can impact you. This one's interesting. How many in here are women? <laughs> all right. So uh, women are two times likelier than men to become depressed. Um, chances are that's because they married us men, but they're not going to go down that path. But, you know, women actually have some, some things going on in their body more than men do. They have more hormonal changes. You know, they have adolescence, but then they have children, then they go through menopause, and they're on a higher level with regards to the changes of the hormonal changes in their body. So that has a direct impact on, on women. Uh, the elderly, uh, people who... Uh, 
maybe alone because they've lost their spouse and now they're living alone. They don't have a, a social network to support them. So they're at a higher risk of suffering from depression. And we need to keep this in mind when we have members of our, our flock who, who have lost people. Uh, man, that, that weighs heavy on them. It's just natural for me to go home and have Michelle. I couldn't imagine going home and not having her. So things like that uh, weigh heavy on people. Uh, health conditions, chronic or disabling medical conditions that uh, may have no cure can raise your possibility of having depression in your life. Trauma or grief, those who may be going to the military, uh, they might see things or maybe something happens of a violent nature and you're just a, a citizen or there might be some type of physical or emotional abuse that you suffer when you're young or even when you're older and, and those things can leave you uh, more vulnerable to, to depression. It might be grief, which we just talked about. Uh, maybe the loss of somebody, uh, maybe the loss of a parent, uh, a spouse, uh, a loved one. Uh, all these things are natural. And as Michelle brought up, there is a natural cycle of sadness and mourning that goes with them. But if not dealt with, or if it weighs heavy on your heart, it can lead into some type of clinical depression. Uh, changes and stressful burdens, big events, stressful times, moves, uh, maybe a, a position or a job that, that uh, weighs heavy on you at times because of uh, the, the burdens that are associated with it. These things could also cause people to go into moments of depression or sadness or you know, fall kind of under the stress, uh, but they still need to be cognizant of them as, as they're going through it to, to make sure that they realize, hey, this stress is getting me down a little bit. I need to really figure out how to get out of it. Uh, medications, alcohol, illegal drugs, these things... Not only do they worsen depression in many cases, but they also can cause it. Uh, alcoholism is horrific for that. Uh, there's a lot of other drugs out there that just jack with the chemicals in your body and, and the long-term effects are, are, you know, they change you. They can change you chemically in some ways. So we need to be cognizant of that. In all these cases, when one feels hopeless, that's when depression long-term can take hold, right? Right. Anybody have anything that they'd like to add to this or think that WebMD might have missed one? Yeah, sin. Sin, absolutely. No, definitely. The web doesn't look at, you know, religious aspects of That's true. just about anything. And we're actually going to get into that in spiritual causes of depression coming up here soon. They missed it, but we're going to hit it. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. I should have added that on there. Shame on me. All right. So let's jump into the class with some discussion here, okay? And this is where we're going to get... Pro oh, yes, ma'am. Will you put that on the web? Yes. Okay. So for everybody who wants to know, thank you for asking. Okay. All the slides are being uploaded. The first class was uploaded within a few days. The second class was uploaded within a few days. These slides will be uploaded within a few days. And also, uh, the uh, class material is online, so you just click on it and print it off. So, yes. So, Perfect. please, if, if you want access to this, it's going to be online through our website. So, uh, appreciate that. So, uh, what causes you to feel this way? And so, I was thinking to myself, man, that's a heavy question to ask a room full of people. Jason, you better be prepared to share with them what causes you to feel down. And so, hopefully to open this up, I'm going to share with you what, what gets me down here. So that way you'll be willing to share. I struggle with my weight. I'm a big guy. That gets me dark. Um, I struggle with the burdens of my job, <coughs> the stressors of 
and we, everyone has that, right? We all have jobs. I, I struggle with, I get sometimes dark about the, the burdens and stress of being a good father, being a good uh, husband, and also being a good shepherd. It weighs me down sometimes, and that's okay. I need to realize that because what do I do with that? Do I let it just weigh me down and cripple me? No. No. I turn it over to God and I pray. But not only do I turn it over to God, I knuckle down and I do what I need to do to get out of that hole. Right? I can't just pray and just wait wait for a miracle. Those days are over, right? Right. I need to figure out how to maybe eat a little bit better. I need to figure out how to maybe share that stress of the eldership that I'm burned with, maybe talking to the other elders because they understand it as well. So if something's bothering me, I might go to Dale or I might go to Dave and say, hey, this is really bothering me. And you know what? We could talk through things. We need to find those resources in our lives. So that's me. How about you? What do you have in your life? Are there things that really weigh you down that anybody would like to share? My, both my daughters are getting to the age where I can't fix it anymore. And as a mom, I'm, part of the mom description is fix everything in your children's life. <laughs> it's just part of the description. Because dads have the same basic description, and I can't do that anymore because they're both coming to the age where they need to have the personal responsibility. They need to, and I have to, it's very hard sometimes to take that step back. Right. And that weighs on me. But I also have the chemical issue, the chemical imbalance. So, you know, for me sometimes it's don't take the pill, you know you don't take the pill. You know, so I have to make sure that I'm staying even and you know, just keeping everything on whatever level it needs to be. Right. It, it, it's something that you have to keep top of mind. you got to keep it right in front of you. John? You know, what I uh, deal with a lot is remorse. That's something we haven't hit on. But, uh, you know, although I've been forgiven, that remorseful feeling is still there, and that can depress me. Right. I'm not the person I was in my younger year. And the guilt and the shame and the blame and... All that is still there, you know, it, it pops up every now and then. I don't dwell on it daily, but every now and then I can hear a song or see something that will flash me back, and there's that memory, a remorseful feeling. God's let it go, but you have it. Right. More sober, missed opportunity. Right. You can't get rid of those things, you just have it. So, is the Bible full of examples of people who have had situations of raising children? sin in their lives, missed opportunities, right? All the Absolutely. Does that give us any comfort? <coughs> because we're not alone. It, yeah. it tells us not, we're not alone, and also, <coughs> usually, in there, it tells us the in-story form, right? Mm -hmm. So let's look at one of those, okay? So we need to lay at God's feet, and, and we've been trying to go through and have examples as we've been working through this. So let's actually reference uh, Jeremiah uh, and... Right here in Lamentations 3, 19 through 26. Can I get someone to read that for me? Remember my affliction and my my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. 
Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. We go full cycle in this one, right? Mm -hmm. So, verses 19 through 20. What are the feelings that are expressed in 19 and 20? Affliction, wandering, bitterness. Like wormwood, just eaten up. Soul is bowed down. That miserable? Are those the feelings of someone who might be depressed? Yeah. Alright. Well, what gave Jeremiah hope in 21 through 24? Faith in God. Faith that he's going to be there. God's character. God's character. He's always there. Lord's loving kindness never ceases, right? His compassion never fails. His loving kindness and compassion are awaiting me every morning I rise. Isn't that reassuring? Mm -hmm. To know that every morning I wake up, He's there. He's waiting to hear from me. He's waiting for me to lay my burdens on Him. My burdens might be there every morning as well, but God's there to take them off me if I lay them on Him. God is faithful and He is unfailing. He's our rock, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. What does verse 25 and 26 tell us? He's always going to be there. He's always going to be there, but what must we do? Seek him. Seek him. we got to seek Him, right? Is it just sitting back? No. He's just waiting for us to ask. He's waiting for us. He wants us to reach out to Him. And if we do that, what will He do? Be there. He'll be there for you. But we got to be patient with God. we got to be patient with His answers. And if we seek Him, He will be what to us? He will be good to us. <clears throat> For everyone who shared the things that stressed them out, does this not give you hope? Mm -hmm. Now, is it a magic pill? You just go read this and you go, huh, I'm great. No, no it's a seeking. There's action involved in this. This is, He's there every morning. Am I reaching out to Him every morning? we got to lay our burdens on Him on a regular basis. But, it takes action on our parts. And He is faithful. Right? <coughs> Let's go into the negatives turn into negativity. We kind of touched on this a little bit in the past also. Uh, let's just kind of go through the arrows here. So, there's a negative stimulus that happens in someone's life. And then that has a negative impact on them in some way. The heart doesn't rebound from it, right? In some cases. Then that negativity turns towards oneself, it turns towards the situation, and it turns towards other people. So, let's have someone read Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 for us. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So, in the context of negativity, because this is full, but in the context of negativity, what does this scripture tell us? 
This is the most important thing about Christianity, is that we cannot comprehend God, yet through Jesus we can relate. Absolutely. Why is he? Inter why can he intercede for us? Because he was both man and God, right? Can Christ understand the burdens of life? Yes. He was rejected. He actually lost lost loved ones who died untimely deaths. But they weren't just untimely deaths. They were untimely deaths because they were dying for him. <clears throat> Let that sink in for a second. It's one thing to have a family member die, and it's horrible. It's traumatic, especially if it's untimely. Imagine if that untimely death was because someone was dying for you. Do you think that would weigh heavy on you? Yeah. You think that's a real burden that Christ had to, to, to bear? Can he... Oh, yes, Jamal. A lot of that was played out in the, uh, the Garden of, uh, was it a semen? Uh, well, how you, yeah, guess semen. Uh, when he was praying? Uh, because he came back and forth to Peter, you know, and talking to Peter about him being faithful and remaining awake and keep watch for him. You know, and, and I know Peter, he might not have the full effect of what Christ was going through because imagine being with a person that can do miracles, you know, walking on water, you know, glowing, all these different things that Peter had seen, then to come uh, to see him in a moment of weakness and not realizing that, you know, maybe just a little bit of me he might need for a little bit of strength. And even though Jesus put it out there like that, you know, man, you can't even stay awake for one hour. You know, uh, he knew where his power was. He right. knew where his comfort was. But what he was doing, it, it wasn't that he was blaming Peter, but he was showing Peter how important it is to stay focused. Absolutely. And he went to his father. And by him going to his father, it let Peter know, you know, uh, my father's not only there for me. He's there for you too. You know, with so many words and so many demonstrations that he showed him by going to the cross because it said he was left alone. Everybody split. You know, everybody took off. And then for him to tell, uh, I forgot who it was where he says, and tell Peter. You know, I just have to put it like this, and then I'll be quite. Uh, Jesus had a deep affection for Peter, deep, deep affection. You know, uh, he looked at Peter as his own, just like Paul did with Timothy. Jesus looked at Peter the same way because he was constantly dealing with Peter, and he was constantly dealing with Peter. You know, and, and that loves them for us as well. But you know, you might say, you know, hey, Jesus knew the end game, right? <clears throat> Well, are you stressed if you know the end game? That you know that in the end you're going to be victorious and you're going to be raised again? I want someone to turn in their Bible to Luke 22, verse 44. I want you to read that. Read out loud for the class. Luke 22, 44. What's that describe to you? Does that describe someone's heart that's just totally crushed? There's very, been very few times that I've, I've earnestly prayed like that. How about you? I've prayed. But let me tell you, my, my sweat wasn't almost blood. But, instead of becoming negative towards himself, 
towards the situation, towards other people, what did Christ do? He prayed earnestly. And then he got up and did what he needed to do. Right? Isn't that what we were just talking about a few moments ago? Turning it over to God and then getting up and doing what you need to do? That's a message to us. So if Christ can truly sympathize, what does it tell us here in verse 16 that we need to do? Draw near with confidence. We need to draw near with confidence. We need to understand that He is faithful. He will be there for us. We need to understand that, that there's mercy and grace that's there for us. So, is it hard for us to, to be negative when we're drawn in near to Christ? It is. When we're closest to Christ, is it hard for us to, to be negative and just let life pull us down? But that negativity, especially towards others, it, isn't, it seems like it isn't something you can control. It happens. I felt that I was responding to people not as I thought I was, but as I was coming across harsher or even louder than I intended. Right. And then being on the receiving end of that, having someone being negative towards me, but then realizing, or as they said later, they couldn't control it. Right. Well, you're absolutely right. But re remember, we're saying this is this is not a magic pill, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't, I draw near to Christ, I know He's faithful, and I pray, boom, I'm going to just push off all negativity. It's a process, right? It's the most important place to start. It's the most important place to start. However, when you draw in close to Christ, and you're in His presence, and you're just laying it over to Him on a daily basis, over time, did He say, lay, his, lay your anxieties on Him? Does he say that just so that way you could lay him on him and he's going to still not work in your life? No. He, he will work in your life. But we got to realize that it's not just a magic pill. Well, I prayed last night. I don't know why I'm feeling better. I'm not feeling better. No, it doesn't work that way. It might be also, that, I'm sorry, it might be also that you might need, we talked about this also, medical help. We need to make sure that we, we seek every opportunity. And also, if you're on the receiving end of that negativity, assume positive intent, love your brother and sister, and realize that they might be burdened with something, and you might need to be that ear for them or help encourage them and sit down and talk with them and help them work through it. Don't wear your, your feelers on your arm. We need to not be so sensitive to our feelings. We need to be more sensitive to other people and love our brothers and sisters. Right? Go ahead. We have to do, we do one of the parts, is we give it to God. Right. But then we still have to do our part on our end of it too. It's, it's not a one-way street. He still expects us to do something, you know, along the way. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Alright, so let's jump into the dialogue of the depressed. And you actually have these handouts. Um, People have a tendency to speak what they feel, right? Uh, Luke 6.45 says, For his mouth speaks from that which his heart is filled. So I have a question. If we have joy in our hearts, how do we speak? Joyfully. Joyfully. 
If we have frustration, anger, stress, depression in our hearts, how are we more likely to speak? Grumpy. Grumpy. And that's what we were just touching on, right? And, and it's not sin to have a bad day and be grumpy. We already talked on that. Depression is not sin. It's what you do with the depression and how it manifests itself where it can become sin, right? <coughs> we need to make sure we realize that. So if someone's having a bad day, we don't go, Sinner! <laughs> no. <laughs> we love them, right? We need to make sure that we care about our brothers and sisters. <coughs> We've all had bad days. We need to understand that other people can have them too, right? Right. All right, so let's get into the characteristics and the dialogue of the depressed. So what you say about yourself. And because I'm sure you're tired of hearing my voice, what we're going to do is everyone has a readout, a handout. We're going to start with what you say about yourself. We're just going to start here, and you read the first one, read it nice and loud, and you just go down the row and read it loud for everyone to hear. I can't do anything right. Why? Why try? Why I try? I'm no longer useful. I hate myself. Look at so and so. I must have done something wrong to him. Nobody loves me. Who here has heard people say things like that? Man, those are those are nasty feelings that people might have, right? <clears throat> just just hearing them come from different voices in the classroom, it kind of actually got me down a little bit. Because I, I never want to hear any of these people say that to me. Not because it's about me, but because I love them. And I care about them. So, what is the truth about you? I need someone to read... Uh, what's on the board here? Starting right here, where it says, the Lord says. Where it says in Jeremiah 31, 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have drawn you with loving kindness. Go ahead, keep reading. I can say what it is said in Psalms 139, 14, I will give thanks to you, for I am fearful and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. See the contrast there? When we turn it over to God? When we have our hope and our faith in God and we listen to what He says about us? We are His children. He is our Creator. This is us just not focusing on God, right? And we've all probably said these things at times. But when we get out of our own way, this right here is the truth of matter, right? This is the truth of the light. Let's continue on with the dialogue of the depressed. We're going to start with what you say about your situation if you're depressed. Let's pick up where we left off, whoever's reading. I don't see any way out. I don't matter anymore. I can't do anything about it. I can't bear it. It's intolerable. It's not fair. I'm helpless to change it. I'm hopeless to change it. So, what is the truth about your situation? I need a volunteer to read this portion right here. I can say with Paul. I can say with Paul in Philippine, I mean Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. <clears throat> so, once again, we see the contrast. When we bring God into it and we look to God, are we empowered? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
when we're just focused on the situation and we don't see any way out of it and we don't look to God, how do we feel? But the truth of the matter is, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Right? Two totally different mindsets. Alright. Let's continue with what you say about your future. Let's pick up where we left off. Right. Who cares? Nothing will change. <clears throat> oh, it's hopeless. No one will ever love me. I'll be too old. It was my last chance for happiness. I have nothing to live for. So, what does the Bible say about our future? Need another volunteer to read from here on down, please. It for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work, and you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not learn, oh, do not lean, sorry, on your own understanding. Uh, in all your ways, and knowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So, if we want our path to be guided by God, what do we need to do? Don't lean on Him. we got to lean on Him. What's that look like? Asking for His help. Asking for His help. What's that look like? Doing it. we got to do things, absolutely, but what, what's, what's, it, what's it look like? Prayer. 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 Reading. Reading. Fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It does. That, that's not just for other people, is it? Is that for ourselves too? Yeah. And that was one of the questions in the, the homework. Have you put yourself on your own prayer list? I read it. That's good. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, we, we pray over a situation that is just heavy on our heart, but then, and then there's this uplifted feeling. You feel like, <clears throat> oh, I just handed it over. I'm, you know, and, you, and yes, you continue working through the situation, but then it's like squirrel more months. We, we pull away again, and then we start stressing, and we have to remember... We have to continually pray for our own selves because, you know, it's that attention thing. We kind of pull away and forget that we're handing it over. And it's not just ourselves. We have our family that God is, has us in our hands. Absolutely. And when we get to that point where we acknowledge that He is faithful, that He loves us, that His tender, kind, His, uh, His, uh, tender kindliness is there for us every morning that we wake up, over time, as we were discussing, right, that can just slowly get you further and further away from the stressors and the depressing life. Another way that shows up is if we just go and help someone else. Absolutely. You took the word down my mouth. True. Absolutely. True. Because you know what? Expand you, on you that. get narrow focus on yourself and admire and self pity, and you, and you think all these dark thoughts. If you can, if you can find and remember. To focus on other people because there's always somebody that's got way worse than you do. Right. You know, and and it'll remind you of the blessings and how good your life really is and how blessed you really are just to even have God in your life. Absolutely. And it and it, it just brings you right out of that hole. It does. Focus on somebody else. Something I've noticed, and I'm sure I've heard multiple. Oh, Tristan, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say in that first verse where it says. Um, we'll perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. So it's not saying yet immediately you're going to be perfect. You know, it's going to be a continuing process. It's a walk. So yeah, it's a journey. Yeah. No, absolutely. It, we're coming back to it's not a magic pill. 
And I think so many people actually get even more discouraged when they're like, I've, I've prayed for the last week and, and I've been trying to hand it over to God and nothing's getting better. But that's because you've closed yourself off to it. It's also just doing your yeah. part of it too. Right. You, if after a week you're still in the position of it's not working, right. it's not working because you haven't really done it. If you have to really let it go, you have to. You have to put it behind you. Or you're going to be another week down the line going, it's still not working. Well, and also if you feel that way, I have a question. Are you trusting God? Well, that's just it. You're not. Are you being patient with God? Are you maybe being content with the, the layers of answers that you're getting at that moment? Sometimes I think it's really hard to be content in, in the middle of the situations. I, I was really naive about depression until um, my sister went through a really horrific accident in the hospital for months. And that's the only time I've experienced it. But I didn't get out of it until after the situation was already over. And at first I was like, oh, that's just, that's just how it is when you're in the midst of grief and worry and stress. You're going to be depressed and you can't get out of it until it changes. But then I met um, a family whose nine-year-old daughter had cancer. And um, it was a very aggressive cancer. They thought she wasn't going to make it. Um, but they they really made God the center of that whole situation. Um, and they were able to grow stronger with their fellow brothers and sisters and in their family. And they just told about so many things that they did while in the middle of that situation. And it was such a good um, lesson for me that you, you don't have to be out of the situation to be trusting in God and to be patient with God and to get out of that depression. Right. Um, you don't have, I mean, the worry doesn't have to be gone for you to experience this hope and right. this peace. Um, so in Christ's example, as he is praying, was his stress still ever, ever present? He hadn't even crucified him, right? You bring up two very good points. Number one, these traumatic situations, they're not just maybe a, a one-time situation. It might be months and months and months. It might be a chronic illness that is for the rest of your life. However, the second point that you bring out is when you consciously decide how you're going to deal with that, not only do you have an impact on your own life because you're able to get out of it, there is such a ripple effect to those around you on how you dealt with it and how God works in people's lives to the glory of God. Right? Yes. Uh, I'm the only one I suppose in here that's anchored, but I have found that the, the longer you live, you can look back and see what God has done in your life. And the more your faith grows because you, you can see evidence of what He's done. And if He's done it in the past, there's no reason to think He's not going to do it in the present. And he will. Uh, just, I mean, it's not easy being this old, but it's you know there are a few perks. <laughs> well, you look great for twenty-one. I can't. You know, there's nothing I can do. Well, that's hard because I have done for years, and now there's not much I can do. But 
there is still some things, and I must do those things with my whole heart, because God expects me to. Right. He doesn't say, when you're 90 years old, you can retire from my work. Uh, there's nowhere in there that says that. You've there's got no to pension. be doing what you can right. as long as you can and be happy doing it. Right. No, absolutely. And thank you for that. Let's go ahead. Jason, I just want to make a little more point generic. Uh, you mentioned a couple times magic pill. Right. For those of anybody in here that hasn't sought medical help right. because peer pressure or you don't think it's going to work or whatever, Change your mind about that. Right. Go get the medical help. It's, it's, it takes time. You know, for that chem if you've got a chemical imbalance, it takes time for those medicines to work. Maybe the first one you get will work, maybe it won't. And it, it may be three or four or six weeks before it, it fully has an impact. Right. But with with good medical care, it makes a tremendous difference. It'll it'll even out that chemical imbalance and take that sine wave of your right. you know, emotions out and leveling out. And, and throughout the entire class, we've, we've wanted to make sure that people understand there's there's times that people will need professional help and also possibly medical help. Please don't ever think that that's not an option. Um, however, throughout, no matter what stage of depression you're in, you need to always lay your anxieties on God and have your hope in God throughout the process. Go ahead. No, we're not. We're actually done with the content, so I'm <laughs> loving this right now. I appreciate the comments from earlier about, you know, help somebody else, but kind of help you get your mind off of something else. And I, it speaks to, I think, of the word outlet. You know, I mean, if there's something going on that, that may not resolve itself super quickly, I think one of the positive things that you can do is to at least find another aspect, uh, you know, if your job's got you down and you're 8 to 4, you're 8 to 5, just kind of a bear, you know. Well, make your 5 to 10 positive, you right. know. Find an outlet there, find something that gives you happiness, and then that will kind of dilute, if you will. <laughs> it's almost like in, in Chad's lesson this morning, the context of diversification was was anti his point, you know. and, and But in this context, diversification, if you will, could be a good thing. Right. Because it could be... I'm going to do something I, I enjoy. I'm going to help somebody else, and that will help. The, all right, yeah, tomorrow morning is going to be tough again at 8 o'clock, but I, I have a release coming. Right. And it's different for everybody. <clears throat> you know, yes. I think about that in play, and I've seen it throughout my life as a Christian, but one that, that impacted me a lot was when, when Holly was first diagnosed with cancer and we we're waiting to find out stages, we we're finding all this stuff going on. A dear sister in Christ that had known me since I was in diapers, just loved her, always been the caregiver, always been the one taking care of people, was battling through stage four lung cancer. They really didn't and she didn't make it. But when when Holly found out she came over and as soon as it was announced came over to her in the building and just wrapped her arms around her and she Holly cried on her and she was, wait, what am I doing? You're going through. And she goes, I can help you. Right. Let me. And, and afterwards, Holly said, you know, do I lean I said, lean on her. That's, you will do her more good in what she's going through by letting her be there for you. Absolutely. That's going to help build her up. Your that's, experiences that's can help other people. Yeah. Don't keep them to yourself. All right. Well, that's, that's the end of class. Thank you for the discussion. Uh, there were uh, pre-work for class four was handed out. It will be uploaded to the internet. These slides will be uploaded. Thank you for the discussion and love each one of you.